thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Yes, let's give it up for Trust Come one more time. So amazing. Man, we've been in this series, Jesus and You. Welcome to Luminous Church. You know, sometimes you have to do something special. Sometimes your service looks a little different than you had planned, and that's good, right? Because we don't want to just go through the motions day in, day out, clock in, clock out. Who wants it to clock in and clock out with Jesus? Uh, nobody's going to confess to that right now because that would be awkward. But we're glad you're here this morning. If you um, would know our heart or know anything this morning is that, that you're loved in this place. I hope that you know that. I hope that when you come into Luminous Church that you feel loved and you feel like God, God loves you and his people are crazy ridiculous about loving one another. In fact, that's probably our biggest pushback if you come into this place. That church is just too friendly. Y'all ever heard that? You ever felt that? You're like, oh my gosh, they're overwhelming me. And so we, we sometimes will, you know, calm down and not, not be as excited to see you. But we're trying, we're trying to be an authentic people or genuine about what God has done in us. It just made us passionately alive and it made us passionately excited to, to see Jesus. And we want people to see him as well so clearly. When we entered this series, Jesus and you, when we entered this series, Jesus and you, what we did is... Um, I had an idea. This idea was a relationship with Jesus seems so abstract, doesn't it? How can I have a relationship with somebody way up there when I'm way down here? It's why many of us become deists, because we don't feel like God can encounter his people. But then when you have a real life experience with a God encounter, it changes you completely. And I feel like in this series, I want you to know that Jesus can encounter you personally. Personally. Everybody say, it's personal. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's personal. Yeah, do it with some attitude to the other person. It's personal. It's personal, y'all. And so it is. It is personal. And don't worry, I will not preach long this morning. And it's so fitting because this, this, this morning is a continuation. Next week, it's actually a mini-series inside of a series. There's a part one and a part two. Part one this morning is actually a little bit harder to preach because it is it messes with you a little bit more than part two. You see, part one is pretty absolute. It's pretty dogmatic. It's very narrow. You know, there's, there's so many things that are relative these days. Um, for instance, I love coffee. I love coffee. Y'all you know, know this by now. Hopefully you know this by now. It's why we spend so much money on good coffee in the foyer. Because we didn't want to invite your friends to church and we have bad coffee. Right? That's just, it's absurd. I just can't, I can't comprehend that. It's why we bake good bread. It's why we do all that stuff because we want good stuff, right? If we're going to have bad coffee, let's just have no coffee. Right? That was the consensus. Let's just have no coffee because then we're just trying to give them something and it's not good. It's like when you buy the Christmas present with no thought and it's awful. Like, why did you get them a gift? You know, just don't get them anything. If, you, if you're not going to try, don't get them anything. And so that's what we were saying here 
I love coffee. And you know how I like my coffee. I don't like cream. I don't like sugar. I like it from the brewing machine. And, and I would love my coffee so much, I would tell Tyler, this is the only way to have a cup of coffee. This is it, man. Right? How many of you get passionate about things that you love? Right? We all do. We all do. But Starbucks blew our mind on this because they told us there is absolutely hundreds of ways to have coffee. There are hundreds of ways. Right? It's so subjective, right? But then there's things that are absolute. For instance, if I were to tell you um, there is only one way to watch a movie. There's one way to watch a movie. Everybody close your eyes. Can you see the screen behind me? No. Open your eyes. Can you see it? Yes, there's only one way to watch a movie. It's with your eyes. Now, there's many comforts to watch a movie. There's many devices. There's DVD players. There's iPhones. There's movie theaters. Some of you like to get in your sweats. Some of you like to get in your PJs and then go out of the house to the movie theater. That's weird. But you like to do that. Some of you like to snuggle up to your honey and hold a hand. And that makes, that makes the movie so much more enjoyable. There's many different ways that we can enjoy the movie, but there's only one way to watch the movie. And I'll tell you this. There are many ways for us to enjoy Jesus. There's many ways for us to enjoy his people, his church, the kingdom. But I'm going to tell you, there's only one way in to his church. There's only one way into his kingdom. John 10, if you have your Bibles this morning, John chapter 10 is where we will be. Briefly, I will reiterate, briefly. John 10, 7 through 10 is what we'll read this morning. John 10, 7 through 10. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. Jesus is pretty absolute. He makes it very narrow. I am the door, and the door is the only way in. Now, you're going to have to wrestle with the text. You're going to have to wrestle with that statement, and you're going to have to believe if that statement is true or false. But he's saying there's one way in, there's one door, and he is it. He is it. There's four things, four observations that I want to pull out of this Scripture for us real quick that we can take home with us. Maybe think about as you're doing this. What is this door? What does it represent? First off, the door is hope. If you have notes, you can do this. Now, I always say that I'm not going to give you a one, two, three, four point message. But here it is this morning. One, two, three, four points. Maybe I shouldn't have been so dogmatic about that. The door is hope. The door is hope. Now, the context of this parable or this story, we have to know the context. We read it uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus says, I am the light. I am the light. That in itself is great hope for us, that he is the light of the world. It's incredible that he is the light. But it became so true and so personal to a young man. 
who was putting his hope in the wrong things. He was sitting by a pool, and he was waiting for the pool to be stirred. And if he got in the pool, he would be healed, and sight would be recovered, or at least that was his hope. How many of us have hoped in wrong things? Wrong things that disappoint us, wrong things that are not the way. There is only one thing to hope in. It's Jesus. I am the door. And it is an amazing hope that we have this morning. This young man, he was hoping for a healing. And here's what's crazy. And I, I have to read this because it's so profound. In chapter 9 of verse 32, verse 32, this young man was sitting here. He was testifying to the Pharisees that he had been healed. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe him because in verse 32 it says, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Never. That is a crazy, crazy statement because we read about all the miracles, all the stories in the Old Testament. We read about dead men coming to life. We read about all this, but never have we ever heard a man born blind be healed. And yet this man was believing that he would be healed by a pool. Never. It was so outrageous. Outrageous. It was a miracle that could not, could not have a solution outside of the fact that that Jesus had the power to do this. It was a crazy miracle. It blows my mind every time I read that. Never has this been done. And so, of course, there's disbelief. Of course, I have to go check with his parents. Are you sure he was blind? He didn't just have a squint. <laughs> no, he was blind. He could not see since birth. And a miracle account. Him and a healing happens and it brings hope. Why was Jesus the one doing this? Because he's the one who opens eyes. Why has this never been done? Because Jesus wanted to let you know that if I can do it in the natural, I can certainly do it in the supernatural. That's why our vision is seeing Jesus so clearly. Because he opens eyes so that we may see him. When we see him, life changes. How many know life changed for this young man? Forever changed. Secondly, the door is direction. After the young man could see and he was absolute in his statement that I now have sight. Tells the Pharisees, and the Pharisees keep asking him and drilling him, and then he finally says, Well, what? Do you want to be his disciple too? And I'm like, Heck no, we don't want to be his disciple. We want you to quit saying this. And so they excommunicated him. When you were excommunicated in that day, it was different than us kicking you out of Luminous Church, because if I kick you out of Luminous Church, you'll just go down the street, the church down the road, right? It's, it'll be all gravy, it'll be good. But the fact is, is excommunication in this culture, I mean, it's almost the curse of a leper. He would be cast out. Jesus finds him and he goes to him and he says, I am the door. I am the door. If you enter by me, there is a new community. There are new believers. There, there, are, there are people I'm carrying you out of Judaism and into the kingdom of God as a son, as a daughter of Jesus. Believe in me. Believe in me. The young man's like, man, I believe that you are the door. 
he worships him. How many know that he was probably worshiping with the 3,000 that got saved on Pentecost? He found a community. He found believers. And for you, it's direction. I I feel like sometimes we're so directionless as a people, and we're wondering what God wants us to do. And he says, just come to me. Come to Jesus, and I will give you rest, and I will give you life. I will show you what to do. Number three, the door is salvation. Amen for salvation. The door is salvation. Those who enter by me, salvation comes to them. I love this because the door is not hidden. The door is not is not obscure. The door is not a secret passage, right? All of us are knocking on the side of the wall looking for the secret passage. No, the door is crimson red. It is red, it is bright, it is beautiful, and it is for all to see and saying, this is the door. There's no confusion. How do I know this? Because Ezekiel 18.32, I love this verse because when I argue with all of my friends about how God is so loving and how he loves all people, not just some, it reminds me of what God said in Ezekiel 18.32, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God, therefore repent and live. Acts 14, 27, was it just for the Jews? Was it just for the chosen people? No, Acts 14, 27, it was for all mankind. And so he made a way for the Gentiles to enter too, so that all may live. All may live. Everybody say all. 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 Lastly, the door is protection. The door is protection. There will be men who come on their own accord trying to lead some people astray. The enemy comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they would have life and life abundantly. And I'm going to do it by protecting mine. Protecting mine. Now we know that culture is against us. We had a moment today talking about how culture is dividing. Culture is against us. We know culture is against us. In fact, I'm, I'm not the only one that knows culture is against us. There, there is a theologian that tells us that, that culture is against us. You may have heard this song by the theologian Taylor Swift. <laughs> if you know it, you can sing. Crank it up. Crank it up. Man, I'll tell you what, right? Even the theologian Taylor Swift knows the haters are going to hate, players are going to play, Culture's gonna come at you. Culture's trying to get you. And in her power, she's gonna say, shake it off. But what happens when you can't shake it off? What happens when it's so big in your mind, so big in your emotions, so big around you physically, you just can't shake it off? There are gonna be moments in your life that you won't be able to shake it off in your power. It's going to be moments when we need to know that Jesus says, I am the door. And if I come in there, there's going to be protection from the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is bringing protection. Jesus brought salvation. Jesus is bringing hope. I love what Jesus does. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A.W. Tozer um, describes the door like this. Bring up that quote, Kyle. Oh, that's way up there. I'll read it from right here. It says this. God never changes moods or cools off in his affections or loses enthusiasm. His attitude towards sin is now the same as it was when he drove out the sinful man from the eastward garden. And his attitude toward the sinner the same as when he stretched forth his hands and cried, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There was a door that God sent Adam and Eve out of when they were enjoying the pasture and the coolness of the evening. But sin entered in, and God said, I'm not going to have fellowship with any sin. So he cast them out a door. But by another door, he has allowed us to enter in and saying, you can come in, but don't worry. Jesus is going to take the sin from you, and I'll take you just as you are. Amen. Will you stand with me and let's pray as we leave this place this morning. I'm thankful for a Jesus. I'm thankful for a Jesus who says, I am the door. I'm thankful that there is one way, but it's one way for all mankind to see. It says, those who are heavy laden, come to me. How do you come to Jesus practically? You can come to Jesus first off, in your mind and with your lips, but you must come in your heart. In Romans 10, 9, it says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and also believe in your heart that he saves, and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, you came in this place and you're like, I don't know this door. I want to give you an opportunity to walk through the door this morning. As I pray, you can pray. If you would, every eye closed and every head bowed. And if everybody would pray after me, dear Jesus, thank you for taking my sin. I recognize I'm a sinner. Please forgive me, God. Accept me, Jesus, through the door. Jesus, thank you that you are the door. Crimson red by the blood of Jesus, I am made new. Lord, I believe in you. Take my life and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you confess that, but you also believed it and you've never done that before, welcome into the kingdom of God. Welcome into the kingdom of God. Let's give God a big hand this morning. We just love Jesus so much this morning. We love you this morning. Man, thank you for this service. Thank you for doing life with us. Thank you for being a people that I love to call my family, but I also love to call brothers and friends. We love you so much. On your way out, please, please say hi to someone. We love you. You are dismissed. See you next week.